Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. New CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So so. So so. So so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. How you survive, you make quick, smart decisions, and you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount Plus. Welcome to the PowerCat Podcast, GoPowerCat.com's Kansas State Athletic Show. Now, here's your host, GoPowerCat publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. Welcome to this week's edition of the PowerCat Questions Podcast, sponsored by Fridge Wholesale Liquor. We hope you're doing well. We hope you're done celebrating Kansas State's big win on uh, Saturday. I don't know if uh, Sonny Dykes knows who beat him, but someone beat his team like a drum. That was also wearing purple. Man, that was impressive. 41-3, to the Cats over the Frogs. Just a dominant performance, reminding me of what they did to Oklahoma State a year ago. And now the Houston Cougars are coming into town for the first time ever as Big 12 members. They meet at 11 a.m. on Saturday. It's going to be chilly and wet, according to the Mr. Forecast right now. Tim Fitzgerald, Zach Carlson, Ryan Gilbert, and two dogs right here in the Cats and Dogs studio as we take your questions from Wabash Station. And as I mentioned, we're sponsored by The Fridge. Make sure you stop into The Fridge um, if you're coming into town Friday night. Get that done. So you're all ready for Saturday morning. And if you don't get into Saturday morning, I believe they opened at 9 a.m. Because Ryan Gilbert, who doesn't need his booze or her booze at 9 a.m. sometimes? You, you seem like the kind of guy. He's giving a thumbs up on a podcast, which means I have to say he's giving a thumbs up because Ryan doesn't understand you can't hear a thumbs up on a podcast. Did I get that right, Zach? I think so. Okay. Are you going to talk at all during this podcast? <laughs> I guess I will. Okay, that's good, because that's why you're here. Huh. Okay. I could have Daphne sit in that chair. She wouldn't wear the headphones. She'd be very scared of them. She would never sit in this chair. No, she would not. It's, it's been... Uh, it smells like you. Yeah, sure. Let's get going with your questions from Wabash Station. This is how this funky show works. Everyone gets to listen to the podcast, but you have to be a subscriber at Go Cat to ask the questions. Membership. Has privileges. Hey, maybe we should uh, trademark that. Maybe we should have privileges. I don't think you got a P on the end of that. I word heard you said that curse there. word as well. I heard something bleepable. Membership has privileges. You said member. No. <laughs> Here we go. Your questions from Wabash Station. Going to make sure I say the last letter every time. Is it my turn? Your turn. Nah. From Go Uppercat, it seemed that alternating Will Howard and Avery Johnson helped keep TCU's defense from getting settled into a rhythm on Saturday. How does Colin Klein prevent this rotation from having the same effect on his own offense? Well, I think people are bought in. I mean, it was clear today talking to Will Howard. He's not excited about this, but 
he's bought in with it. I think he's just fine with, you know, if that's what coach wants to do, but he'd like to have the job all to himself, of course. I don't know. Honestly, this week it could be the opposite. Maybe Houston handles it well and the K-State doesn't handle it well. So we'll see. I'm not convinced we're going to see a whole bunch more Will Howard this week. Just kind of depends on what they're looking at for the rest of the season. It was a really good experience for Avery to get tested like that. But it does come with some peril to keep jogging your quarterbacks back and forth. I think it it worked well on Saturday. There was no need to change anything. But what I'm curious to see is if Will or Avery, if they keep flip-flopping, you know, until somebody does really well and somebody does really not well, you know, I'm curious what what they'll do. Will they stick with one? Will they stick with the other? Well, haven't we already seen that, though? What do you mean? At Texas Tech, Avery Johnson played really well. The couple of yeah. games before that, Will Howard was not playing well. I've, okay. I think that's a fair thing to look at in the past. But, you know, if Will comes out and plays well, I think Will's still going to be the starter. I think he'll be the Absolutely. first the person that takes the first snap. Will be Will Howard. If Will Howard plays well, if it's 14 nothing or 14 3 or you know whatever score somewhat similar to that and it's all Will Howard why put Avery in if it's working i don't think that we're necessarily going to see this alternating series the way we saw it against TCU i think that it worked well and there was no reason to change it but i would not anticipate that being the expectation for the rest of the season or especially on saturday i can see them starting will and then based on what Will and the offense does on possession one, they'll go from there. If they roll down the field to score a touchdown, I bet Will's going back out. I And if, if it doesn't look good, if they're doing something that the coaches feel like the run game will work, the quarterback run game, they'll, they'll put in Avery. But it's a good problem to have. I mean, you know, so many teams don't even have a decent backup to have two really good quarterbacks. It's, it's pretty impressive. We've got more questions coming from, you know, the subscribers about Will and Avery. So I'll save some of these thoughts, but I'll just say that it, it almost seems like a ticking time bomb to where this isn't going to work out anymore. They're, they're pulling it off. It's working. Um, TCU is probably more of an offensive team than a defensive team. So they're able to, able to get by. Um, and same thing probably goes for Houston. You know, a lot of talk today or on Tuesday in the press conference from Kleiman was about what Houston can do offensively rather than defensively. Right. So maybe this isn't the week, but Go, you Burkett, you bring up a good point that it, it seems like you can't do this for a whole season. There's a reason that most teams pretty much never play with two quarterbacks like this. Is it working right now? Absolutely. I just don't know how sustainable this is. I would agree. Like I think that we're going to see both on Saturday. Don't get me wrong. I'd love to see Will and Avery play and play well, but I think the system that we saw on Saturday is just completely unsustainable. You can't go one after another. I think that one guy, if one guy is hot and getting, you know, is in rhythm, you know, like on Saturday, Will Howard scored a touchdown that first drive that they had. And then they put Avery in and they get another touchdown. So, I mean, it worked and they were able to duplicate it, you know, beyond that. But I think if Will, if Will Howard is able to march down the field, that first possession and get a touchdown, I think you need to stick with him for at least a couple more series before you put Avery in. I just get so dang frustrated, right? If I'm Howard or if I'm Avery Johnson, doesn't matter who. I think if you're Avery, you're happy to be able to get on the field. Will, you have an expectation that you're the starting quarterback. 
But, you know, my counter-argument to that would be it didn't look like it at Oklahoma State. You're the one who opened this door. I mean, your play on the field translated to what's happening now because that quarterback isn't going to win many games. And then we see them go to Texas Tech, and while he wasn't bad, Avery was the opposite of bad. He was really good, so he got to play. And thus, we ended up with this, and this week, Will Howard played better than Avery Johnson. He looked like the more seasoned quarterback. He handled the switches on defense. So I, I think we'll see more of Will this week. He, Will, you have to earn it back. You have to prove you're the guy. And if this true freshman can come in and outplay you again two out of three weeks, maybe you're not the guy. And maybe that's not your doing as much as his doing, just taking the job. But I also know this. Coach Kleiman respects Will Howard an awful lot. It's going to have to kind of be definitive for them to totally swap quarterbacks. And I don't think we're going to see definitive. I think we'll continue to see them experiment with Avery and what can be effective. Again, I'll say it every week. you got to put your best athletes on the field. He is clearly one of the best athletes. What goes around comes back around, right? Last year, oh, Will Howard stole. I don't know if stole is the right word, but he took a job from Adrian he Martinez. He stole it and, because Adrian came back from injury and got the job okay. back, and that so was that. Yeah. I mean, he, he, he outplayed him. Yep. Um, and and now he's in the other end of it. And yep. um, I don't, you know, in reality, I'm not sure if Will's really that upset with the situation as much as um, all of us are so enamored with Avery Johnson. I mean, I, I've said this. Go look at the page views on our YouTube <laughs> channel of the postgame interviews. I mean, that's voting right there. It's about four to one. Avery's video getting more views than Will Howard. It's pretty impressive. Uh, people, people like the, as Mitch Fortner said, like they like the new puppy. Yeah. So, we'll, we'll find out how they use him on uh, Saturday in a game that I don't expect to be close. But you just don't know. I don't think Texas expected Houston to play him close either. From Powercat Ryan, is the biggest obstacle Houston presents this weekend simply that the Cougars are the team K-State plays before Texas? Should we be concerned mm. with a look ahead or have the Cats truly blocked out the outside noise? I think they blocked that out. I, I think the biggest threat here is Houston has really good athletes. There's some dudes on this team. There's just not enough of them. And um, I like Donovan Smith. I mean, I see why... Houston wanted him as a quarterback. He's an experienced Big 12-level quarterback. Uh, didn't really fit what they're trying to do down in Lubbock, so he got the hell out of there. The guy can make plays, but he was here last year and got beat as Tech's quarterback. Didn't look great, so they handled him pretty well. Uh, we'll see if he's got some different tricks, but I like him. He can sling the ball and run it, and I, I think you know he would have fit in well at K-State in a different time. I don't know if K-State's necessarily, necessarily going to be looking ahead, but I think that, and, and Coach mentioned this in the press conference today, they've played four straight night games. Now they got to play a morning game. So they've had this routine, you know, for the last four games. They're going to have a new routine going into this game. I don't know if it's necessarily 
going to be a blowout or a beatdown or, you know, whatever you expect K-State to do to Houston. I think K-State wins this game. I think what is the spread right now? 17? Yes. Roughly around there. So I think that, you know, just based on that, a different routine, a morning game, you know, you felt good about the last win. You might be feeling really good about yourself. And Houston hung around. They beat or they beat, they did beat West Virginia, right? I keep, I keep yes. not remembering what happened at the end of that game. Yes, in, they, both in my head. they both game scored game-winning touchdowns. Right. Just one was lighter than the other. Uh, beat West Virginia, and then they hang around with Texas and have a chance to win at the end at home. So I don't think Houston's is as bad as the record might seem. And I think K-State might be a little high, quote-unquote, in the head a little bit. Um Going into this game, I don't know if it's if they're necessarily thinking about Texas right now, but I think that you know Houston's a decent team, and I think K State needs to focus here. But I don't think if they I don't think if they lose this game, they're necessarily looking ahead to Texas. Yeah. I think it's because they just couldn't get it could get it couldn't get it done against Houston, and Houston is probably a little better than what we may have thought they were advertised as. Ryan, to get to your point, if this game was at Houston, I'd be a little more worried, but I don't think the crowd will let them. Be in a funk. I don't. I just think they'll they'll be up. They seem to have gotten their uh, laser sights now set on the proper thing, which is the opponent ahead, not the great season achievements, which are still available to this team by winning out in the regular season. If Houston had lost to TCU thirty six to thirteen last week, if it was the loss forty nine to twenty eight to Texas Tech last week. You can. I think there's a lot more valid concerns here of K-State having a look-ahead spot. But this Houston team's coming off of a win against West Virginia, like we said, and then a close loss to Texas. If you're watching any film, it's pretty clear that this Houston team is capable of pulling off a big upset like this in a 17-point spread. If they were coming off a couple embarrassing losses, and then I think you can entertain that idea of K-State looking ahead to Texas, but... If you're if you're watching tape, man, you're going to see that Houston has some playmakers. Do you guys feel like the the new programs? It kind of took them a while to realize you've got to be a lot more exact in everything you do than you could be in the American or as an independent. They just seem like they're more focused on um, being better all around teams at this point. That you can't miss details because um, in the case of like UCF's tackling Kansas state and Kansas drove a truck through that detail. I mean, they just, they took advantage, but now they're like, okay, we all have to do this, this, and this. They're just being more competitive, if not winning more right now. And that's where being the, the team that has the edge on special teams matters. Right. That's where not having any interceptions, all that stuff. That's where you gain your edge over these teams that are shooting themselves in the foot. Have you ever shot yourself in the foot? It probably hurt. That would probably, have you, Zach? That probably hurt. Not on purpose. I don't, not on accident either. I have two bosses, Fitz and Travis from Taco Lucha. He shot himself in the knee. No, he did not. Or was it his dad? His dad cleaning the gun. Yes, apparently. We just put but that's what they say. <laughs> that's the rumor on the streets. It took, it took a shotgun blast for him to lose a bunch of weight. It worked. Oh, don't, don't get any ideas. No, I've already lost weight. Don't get any ideas. From Cat in Colorado, which is more likely? A, Will and Avery co-starting the game with TCU uh, was a one-time gimmick. B, we see it again against Houston. C, we see it again, except now Avery throws to Will. 
And related to this, why did Kleiman even do this for fun to send a message or blank? I I think it was just a fun way to start the game because everyone wanted to know who would start. So he started them both. Technically, Will got the quarterback start. I, I think Will will just start. I don't think there will be any gimmick at the start of this game unless they really feel like they need to show it. See, that's the other side of it. I'm confident they have a whole bunch of other stuff that they can do built off of the two quarterbacks being on the field. But why show it if you feel like what you do can just get the win over Houston? Why not save that for Texas or Kansas or someone that might be a more challenging game? That play was designed to protect Will from being booed when he gets announced as quarterback. Because because Mitch did not announce who the starting quarterback was. They were both out there. He was silent on the PA. There was no reaction. So, it, like, when you look at it, or, or when you look back, UCF was the last home game. So, K-State had a bye week. K-State loses badly at Oklahoma State. Avery Johnson has an incredible game at Texas Tech. That all happens between home games. So, the fans want to see Avery Johnson out there for the first time. They're really excited. They got to see him. But also, the fans were really disappointed in Will Howard's play between the last time they saw him in person. So putting Will Howard out there as the quarterback, giving the ball to Avery Johnson, it was a brilliant play call to manage fan expectations of the quarterback situation. I can say this. If you're going to run for 343 yards, averaging six and a half yards a carry, we could quarterback I mean, that, the running game right now for Kansas State is absolutely ruling the day. Yes, the quarterbacks have a role in that. Oddly, ironically, it was Will Howard who was more effective in that this past week because he is an effective runner. And you just have to tip your cap to the offensive line that's really found itself. And if they continue to play that way, they're going to win a bunch of games because you win that offensive line battle, man, you're in good shape. From came to elevate, last question of the first half fits. All three of K-State's conference wins are against teams that sit in the bottom five of the Big 12 standings. Is the momentum we feel right now justified or more of a product of playing the bottom of the conference? Well, would they be better teams if K-State had lost to them? I mean, there's a reason. What came first, chicken or the egg? Yeah, I mean, K-State handed them a loss. That plays a role in where they're at. Um, I mean, it's... K-State's not beating any undefeated teams either. Same kind of math for me. It, I I think the conference is down. I think there's more available wins. I thought one of those would be Oklahoma State. Little did I know that uh, Mike Gundy can raise the dead um, because he did. That team was dead in the water. And now they're pretty good. Three straight wins. Dead in the water. I get it. Good they, one. They – uh they are an obstacle for Kansas State. They, someone needs to hang a loss on them, or they've got the tiebreaker. Or they need to run the table and beat OU. Right. And hope OU has the one loss and K-State goes undefeated because then you get into tiebreakers with OU. I've looked at this a little bit. I might. I should probably post this to the board, but I like K-State's remaining strength of schedule versus OU's strength of schedule and common opponents. Yeah. Uh, I'm anxious to see... Kansas against OU. That'll be a better measurement for me. Now, Jalen Daniels plays, it'll be a really good measurement. I said this on my TV show on Sunday night. I think if Jalen Daniels plays, they beat him. 
I don't think Oklahoma's that good. I think they got jacked up for Texas. They were in the right mindset. But look at who they played this season outside of Texas. That's the only ranked team they played. That's probably the only decent team they played. I guess SMU's okay in the watered-down American. But I'm just that game's really got my attention, although it's at the same time as K-State's, which sucks. So, uh, yeah, it's it's a muddled mess. All K-State can do is just keep winning and see what's out there. We talked about it a moment ago, not being the team to beat yourself. Texas Tech was in that game in Lubbock, and then that freshman quarterback just went in and had like three interceptions, right? You, you know, we talked about UCF, couldn't tackle. There's nothing wrong with being the team that just beats up on the team that messes up, that makes the mistakes. You want to be dominant, sure, but – I'm sure Kleiman would tell you that a win's a win. It doesn't matter how you get it. doesn't matter if it's against Oklahoma slash Texas or if it's against whoever the two bottom teams you, you think are. Yep. But Baylor's winning on the road, so that's of a concern in a few weeks, three weeks. Kansas is pretty good. We don't know who will be the quarterback. And then Iowa State has apparently found themselves with a new quarterback. Probably someone that should have played last year. I don't know if he was around. Someone should have played last year because Hunter Decker sucked. And I don't I don't even bet he I, I You don't bet he what? I, what did I, he bet? I bet he wasn't even a good better. Probably. As as I would know that. So yeah. He's good at betting his unders. That was so funny. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, good for him. Whatever he's doing now. Hopefully not time. That's it for the first half of the Powercat Questions podcast sponsored by The Fridge. We'll be back with more and probably a little basketball. One question. There we go. We'll be back. There's two. Two questions. There's two questions. They lie to me all the time. Help me. GoPowerCat.com's Powercat podcast continues after this short break. Hello, everyone. It's Michael Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search... The rest is football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Meats. Welcome back to the Power Cat Podcast. Welcome back to the Power Cat Questions Podcast. Sponsored by the Fridge Wholesale Liquor, Fitz, Gills, and Zach. Three Z's in one room with two dogs. Also zing right now. They are. They are asleep. Man, dude, when dude sleeps, he looks like he's got a drinking problem. He just kind of collapses in a position. And Daphne, Daphne's always alert that Gilbert might move and she'll need to bark. Yes. You need to be moving your butts to the fridge wholesale liquor. That's what you need to do. And don't sleep in there. I mean, they apparently had some older gentleman went in there and spent so much time he laid down for a nap. And they had to wake him up and ask him to leave. And I promise never to do it again. But to be surrounded by so much goodness in the fridge, it just felt like home. Fridge, wholesale liquor. At the corner of this and that in the town in which we live, here we go. Your questions from Wabash Station. Ryan Gilbert, who gets to ask the questions, and then he's going to have to answer questions because we do have basketball in this segment, and he's our basketball guy. 
from Euler Cat 2. Mm. What's your opinion on leaving starters in with comfortable leads late in games? Seems like there were opportunities to play backups, uh, backup players Saturday night. I thought so too. I did too. I, you know, I don't, I, I don't know what they they're doing. It, it just seems like uh, they did have an opportunity to get some guys. They did it on defense, but for whatever reason, it's not happening as much on offense. And maybe that's a function of they feel like they need the offensive work that the starters, you know, even though the scoreboard, they lit it up. They, they haven't been lighting it up. They need to find um, more growth and improvement now that they've got Jace Brown on the field. I don't know, but I agree. I thought it was time to, you know, particularly offensive line, let, let some guys go. But um, I'm, I'm a little confused what they're doing at third string quarterback. I mean, that was a perfect time to put in Mr. Rubley, and they didn't do it. So I'm, I, I agree with you, Euler. I'm not quite sure what that thought process was, and maybe that's something I need to ask Colin Klein on Thursday. Yeah, it was strange to see the game was well in hand by the end of the third quarter, yeah. at least. And they've still got first string guys out there. It's just perplexing. I don't, I, I don't get it, especially when you have, like you mentioned. Putting in Jake Rubley or putting in backup offensive linemen who might be not might be who will be playing next year. Yep. I don't know. I just you'd think you'd try getting as many guys game reps when you know it's a five touchdown game. I I don't know. Might also be an indication that there's a little heat in this rivalry, the coaching staffs. You see, after the game, the losing coach hardly barely mentions the winning team. On uh, you know, I, I, maybe there's a little. I don't know if 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 I lose forty-one to three, I'm not talking about the other team. That's half of that's on us. Well, you know, I, okay, Sonny. I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I wouldn't read in too much into into that. I'd be pissed at my guys. I don't know. Instead yeah. of saying, "Oh, they played so great, they beat us forty-one to three. That's I don't I don't buy into that. That's. Okay. That's that's them. I'll I'll be honest. I didn't pay too much attention to the starters or reserves going into the game, but you got to think that this team is already playing with a, a number of guys that coming into the year were backups or reserves or role players, uh, depth guys. You know, so maybe that's that's just that if they were still backups, they would be in there at that point, becoming the the next man up. But since there's so many guys down. So many guys that have had to have stepped up. This, no matter what, is going to be their time to play. I don't know. I'm, I'm just spitballing here. Maybe that's what Kleiman is mean, thinking. I don't know. How many more reps does Cooper Beebe need? Yeah. Or Hayden Gillum? Yeah. I, you know, I agree like... with Beebe. Get him out. But, <laughs> you know, Carver Willis, he's an older guy. I get it. But, you know, Kleiman mentioned that on Tuesday when asked about him, what, you know, how has he gotten better? And he just said, hey, it's, it's reps. It's all those snaps that he's been able to get. Yeah, but I mean, it's great for a guy like him, but for other guys that are not going to be playing next year, I mean, that's that's yeah, the way I look I at it. it is sure. at a certain point, and we're going to ask, you know, I think the next question, I'll probably make this point a little bit more, but get guys in there that are going to make an impact on your team, not necessarily this year, but next year. Give guys yeah. game reps when the game, when the score is done, when the, the game is settled, the scoreboard does not matter, the game is in hand. You're going to win or you're going to lose. And those were valuable reps for the young defensive players. Yeah. They had a goal line stand that they held up in and 
played well. They, they leave that game feeling pretty good, even though they didn't play a lot. On the offensive side of the ball, it, they didn't have that opportunity to get the young guys in for you know whatever reason the coaches. Um, again, I got I got to ask Colin Klein about this. From 3G Wildcat, why do teams losing by big margins feel the need to use their timeouts to try and score late, meaningless touchdowns? I just want to leave with a better taste in your mouth. You know, and but by risking that, you end up with an even worse taste in your mouth. I mean, did it really improve how Missouri felt a year ago about their performance in Manhattan? No. If so, they wouldn't have been so pissed off and laser-focused on beating K-State yeah. this year. Uh, and I think the same is true on Saturday. TCU would have been 41-10, to 10, would still been humiliating. But you put yourself in a position to still lose 41-3 to 3 and not be able to score against the second-team defense, and that made it worse, I think. See, for me, it's about game reps. Yeah. You have limited time to practice during the week. You have 60 minutes of game time. And you need to get guys reps. I don't know what TCU's personnel was out there. I don't know if they were rolling with their ones. I would be shocked if they were completely across the board. You'd think you'd, you know, I think if Chris Kleiman was in the same scenario, he would use his timeouts, maybe with some backups or second stringers in there, to try and go and score. You know, everybody knows what the score is. Sonny Dykes knows that they weren't going to win that game. Of course of Look, course he's not an idiot. They're a touchdown and about four onside kicks away from making that a game. Technically. Five. Technically. If the games were played like 100 but, minutes total, then I think you'd have a chance. But these, these aren't professional games. This isn't the NFL where you can sit there and say, you know what, we're going to knee it out, you know, run the ball, run the clock out after the two-minute warning. We're still getting paid. You know, We get another game next week. And all the players are, you know, on contracts and whatever else, their futures are settled. But for for student athletes who are out there playing a game, you know, it's still college football and you have to get as many reps as you can. I have no issue with teams trying to score late in the game when the game is settled. It doesn't bother me. And and I think if K State was on the losing end, if they if it was the opposite, if it's forty one to three in Fort Worth next year and Chris Kleiman wants to put in a second string quarterback and try saying, Hey, let's go get some reps, like I'm not gonna complain about it. It's it's valuable stuff. And like I said, I don't know what TCU's personnel was, but looking at the bigger picture and like what we talked about with the last question, we would have loved to see K-State put more second-string players in at the, end the, at the end of the game. And I think that the scenario holds true for, for getting reps for guys. I think it, it'd be sad and pathetic if you weren't trying to get as many plays in as possible for your guys, even though the game is, you know, five touchdowns out, out of reach. That's amazing. They could have scored five touchdowns in the fourth quarter and still lost. They probably would have went for two a couple times. Yeah. The biggest thing that would discourage me is the injuries, right? We saw one of those horn frogs, like horn frogs, right, go down near the end zone. I don't, I don't know who it was. I don't know how good or bad he the was. Backup but tight end, yeah. That's the one thing that I would just not want to mess with. And I get it. You can't just kneel the ball and punt it back. Like, that's just, you don't do that. But, you know, I saw up the middle, something simple where you're not going to get your guys hurt. But you guys remember KUK State. When the brawl broke out, right, that was Dejuan Gordon stealing the ball with six seconds left and getting rejected. And obviously it got chippy, but 
I I remember, Zach, I'm with you. I didn't blame either one of those guys for playing until the buzzer because when you're growing up in middle school, high school, you know, these players are always told play until the whistle, play until the final buzzer, all that stuff. So I don't, I don't have any problem with it. I really don't. I'm with you, Zach. What have I always told you? I per- suck at my job. Befo- no, I never <laughs> said that to your face. Uh, <laughs> I've always told you play until I hit the stop button on the podcast recorder device that is from the 19th century. And sometimes cicadas. Yeah, it wanted to make weird noises. But it actually turned out to be the board. Don't blame don't blame the old man. It was the younger board. Okay. I'm I'm ready to move on to You're basketball. Ready? Here we go. Yeah. From Byers DVM. Should fans expect somewhat of a slow start for the basketball team as they're implementing a new offense with a bunch of new guys playing together? Uh yeah, but I mean the absence of Naquan Tomlin is more concerning. Hold up. Hang on. Concerning that's the, that's the last offense. question. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, they they went to uh, – played SMU somewhere in Oklahoma and, yeah. and lost. And it seems like KU fans are really excited about K-State losing a meaningless scrimmage in which they probably experimented a lot. And, uh, yeah, I think there will be some growth things here, but – well, they don't get to mess around. They have to go play in Vegas, and you know that's less than two weeks away, right? Isn't that crazy? It's less than two weeks. We get yeah. we get to go out there. We get a room we, ha- we have to go out there. We're taking one for the team. I know. I know. I get it. That's but, okay. We'll be in Austin. Not bad. Not a bad Losers. pair of road trips that, that weekend. <laughs> But the, all this conversation ties together with getting younger guys minutes and stuff and garbage time. That's what happened in Oklahoma City with the secret scrimmage, right? Like you want to find out about your team. I don't believe the the goal was to win these games, right? You go back to the summer overseas trip they had in August. They've had a lot of time to already I, – I think you, you saw it more in that game. A few of those games, like against Mexico, I can't remember, but – where they were trying to win at the very end and, and everything, you know, this was treated like more of a real game. You'd have to believe this game against SMU was more more of a scrimmage just to get guys minutes and get them comfortable. Of course, Naquan Tomlin didn't play. We'll talk about that in a moment. Michaela Bridge didn't play either, but everybody else got on the court. Uh, you go look at that box score that's available on, on Twitter. Uh, I, if this was a game against USC, you're not going to see the, the minutes – the, the reflected that's it's going to be different right. in a real game. So I wouldn't hit the panic button too much on the loss, but, but back to the question, the team starting slow. Yes. I think this might be maybe a little bit of a measuring stick to where this team is. I'm not going to panic over the loss, but we saw it last year. Yeah. I mean, you, it, it didn't take until when big 12 play started, that this team really started to click. And I think all of us were like, okay, you know, Fitz, let's, let's start going to road games. Let's do all this stuff. Cause this team's winning. Um, it's going to take some time, especially when you have a new offense, when you have so many transfers coming in. Um, and, and obviously, Naquan Tomlin, will, again, we'll get to that. But it might take, take them some time to gel together. However, a new offense, I think the installing a new five-out system, some of those impacts, the negative impacts of, of gelling are, are going to be minimized just because they're a bunch of newcomers already. So they're they're going to have to – take some time to mesh together no matter what. And so if there's a new offense in there, they're going to have to take time to learn each other no matter what. So I think it's maybe not as big of a deal in terms of just the offense. I would agree. Okay. Last question from Claws Out, Balls Out. What's the story with Naquan Tomlin, and should we be worried? 
We've been digging. Uh, nobody will say. Um, I have no idea. Yeah, I, I think if you're worried he may not play, yeah. I mean, he's nowhere to be found right now, but I don't think there's an indication that he's totally off the team. I, I just think something's going on, whether it's academic or something else. We're not sure. He's not hurt. We, we know that. So he did go overseas, right? Yep. So, I mean, he was in good standing this summer. I'm I'm a little baffled. Everyone's a little baffled. It's become obvious, so something's going on. He's not playing. He's not in any of the videos recently. He's nowhere to be seen. He did not go to Kansas City, which you thought was a sign that maybe Kassan, you know, has stepped into a leadership role. Perhaps. And then we find out he's just not around right now. Yeah. yeah. So I, I'm not sure. Not sure. Neither question that's, was about a certain recruit that's coming to town. <clears throat> well, well, we don't talk about recruiting on this podcast. Fitz. <laughs> would you like? Would you like to talk this about recruiting might on this be an podcast? Exception. Yeah, okay. we can vaguely All talk right. about yeah. this, but I mean, for it. we can talk about because it it's very public that he's going to be in town Saturday. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Break it down so a little bit. It, Share your knowledge Patrick with the Patrick Gongba, five star from the twenty four seven Sports composite score. I mean. I'm sure if you've been on GoPowerCat, you've been on Twitter, you know how badly this staff wants Gongba. I, they've, they have never gone after anybody as much as they've gone after this kid. Uh, he's a big you know, 6'11", 6'10", center, and Tang mentioned it. Obviously, you can't discuss recruiting, you know, specifics. You can't talk about specific recruits. Correct? But Tang has made it pretty darn clear that switching up the offenses to cater to guys like Patrick Gongba. And so he's been to Manhattan once. He was here last October for an official visit, actually. And so he'll be back this weekend against Houston for another official visit. And not often you see guys take two OVs to a school, but but Gongba's doing it. And his first offer was from North Texas, which is where Jareem Dowling used to coach. And so this, this seed has been planted for quite some time. He got an offer from K-State just over a week after this staff officially took over the Virgin Islands connection with Dowling and, and uh, Gongba is certainly huge. Uh, Duke and Kentucky are going up against K-State here, it seems like, as sort of the final schools. Uh, and, and I know K-State feels like they're in a good spot, and this would be a, a heck of a recruiting win for uh, for K-State to go out and and beat Kentucky and Duke in a recruiting battle. You know, I think David Castillo had KU in his final list of schools, but I don't want to take away from anything that K-State did on the recruiting trail there, but it seemed pretty easy to win it, to win Castillo over just with his coach, Clint Stewart, being a former Wildcat. And so this one, K-State's really had to work at, and things are trending in the right direction, but this is going to be a big, a big weekend for K-State basketball hosting. Um, I don't know if I would say the biggest recruit ever, <laughs> but no. they've had five stars in before. Um, certainly my time covering hoops, this is the biggest one they've had. It's a truly really important visit. There's no doubt about it. Um, if you're on Twitter and you're following Coach Tang, if someone mentions this young man, it gets retweeted. It's retweets, retweets. It. I can't speak today. They. It's not a tweet anymore. It's xed, right? Reexed. Reexed. Reposted. Reposted. Lame. So lame. So lame. Why isn't it social x? Why isn't it Twitter x? Why is it just x? 
Find out next week on the Powercat Questions podcast. I don't, we, we don't know. We don't know. Go go. Uh, have a beautiful day. Get ready for the weekend. You need to cheer your face off for your football cats against Houston and yell your face off when uh, a certain recruit walks around the stadium. He'll be with your head coach. You'll recognize him. He's really tall. Thank you for listening to the Power Cat Podcast. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts.